You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears have the opportunity to completely retool their offensive line this offseason with a strong NFL draft class and a growing pool of veteran free agents. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at Cox Sports One. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook or join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more daily Bears talk. On the show today, we'll be joined by Owen Reese. He is an offensive line coach. He is an NFL draft analyst, and he is a personal friend of mine. You've heard him on this podcast before. He covers a little bit of Green Bay Packers and a little bit of Wisconsin Badgers, but his NFL and college football offensive line evaluation and analysis is top-notch, and I, I really appreciate his perspective. And he's going to join us to talk about this offseason of offensive line movement that we're seeing across the NFL with the Kansas City Chiefs releasing both of their starting offensive tackles. The Bears already planning on moving on from Bobby Massey, and maybe that opens the door to move on from Charles Leno as well as the Bears start to find ways to reduce their salary cap hits, and all of a sudden they've got a lot of different options to potentially upgrade the offensive line. So we'll talk about the the different team-building mechanics that go into offensive line as far as which positions should be more valued and where can the Bears get quality players at each position? Do they need to sign free agent starting offensive tackles? Can they afford to wait until the draft? How late in the draft can they still get maybe a starting quality guard or center, depending on what they want to do with James Daniels or Cody Whitehair? There's a lot of different ways the Bears can go here and still some more that needs to be figured out in terms of what other veteran players are going to be released, but we have a sense of what the landscape is going to look like and how the Bears might be able to go about it. So, joining us now on the Locked On Bears podcast is friend of the show, Owen Reese. He was a graduate assistant offensive line coach at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. He also covers the Wisconsin Badgers for Bucky's fifth quarter and does some NFL draft work as well as part of Cheesehead TV's draft guide on Twitter at Reese Draft. Owen, appreciate you joining us today to, of course, talk about the biggest news of the NFL week. Uh, the Bears re-signing their kicker to a three-year, well, a, a, technically a five-year contract extension. Uh, where were you when you heard the news? You know, I uh, was sitting in the middle school classroom that I'm currently long-term subbing for and uh scrolled by it on twitter and you know i mean when you got with the kicker issues the bears have had when you have a chance to lock up a mediocre kicker for five years you just can't pass it up <laughs> absolutely well no it's been it has been kind of a, a busy week and a, a strange time of year here in the nfl with a sea change of releases of veteran players already adding to what was shaping up to be a decent free agent class of offensive linemen and then what looks to be a deep class of offensive linemen in the draft after that. 
I want to I want to jump into that here, but I guess since it was just happened on Tuesday, we, we had the pro day for Whitewater offensive lineman Quinn Miners, uh, a guy who pretty well lit it up in front of what it looked to be thirty to thirty two NFL teams. I, I just saw right before we started recording, uh, NFL draft analyst Dane Brugler just called Quinn a top sixty pick in the NFL draft. Uh, how would you say he did, and what were some what was some of the buzz that you were hearing on the field? Um, yeah, I mean, he killed it. Uh, I think he knocked everything out of the ballpark. Um, I talked to him afterwards. He said he hit every goal he wanted to. Um, he wanted a 30 plus inch vertical. He had 32 inches. Uh, he wanted a nine foot plus broad jump. He had nine foot three inches. Um, you know, wanted it under a I mean, he Nagy, even Jim Nagy from the senior bowl, even tweeted, he expected Quinn to be sub five. Um, and that, that had been a goal that Quinn had told me months ago, but he said he wasn't quite sure. Um, where he would be, didn't do a ton of 40 training down at Exos. Um, he had a four, nine, six. Um, so, I mean, he, he cried at 320 pounds. So, I mean, he did well there. Um, you know, just, just moved well. He's in a great, he's in great shape, just body composition wise. And, um, you know, in the, the on-field drills, just, just moved well. So, uh, I think he did really well. I couldn't be more proud of him. Um, I know his agent said he would be shocked at this point if he wasn't a top 75 pick. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I, I didn't get a ton of like quote unquote buzz from the scouts, you know, other than just that they were impressed. Um, and I think that he's, he's probably trying to play his way into the alley market range. Truthfully, I think that that should be the goal, right. As, as a division three offensive guard, um, you know, if you end up as a, you know, I, I believe market was 57th or 59th overall, you know, somewhere around there in that, that 60 range. I mean, that would be, uh, you know, I, I said on this podcast at, during the senior bowl, you know, uh, to me, probably fourth round sounded about right, but obviously I want Quinn to go as high as he can for, for his own sake. Um, but, you know, with this senior bowl performance and then, you know, just the, the further confirmation of the athletic testing, you know, the sky's the limit. Hopefully it's, you know, I, I hope he gets as picked as high as possible. One of those scouts in attendance, Chicago Bears executive scout Jeff Shivers. So some real NFL hype building around Quinn Miners, really hoping for the best for him. He's a good kid and a really talented football player on his way up. It's a potential opportunity for a team to get an under-the-radar starting caliber player in an offseason where value is going to be absolutely critical. And we'll take a look at where... NFL teams might be able to find some value on the offensive line this year next on Locked On Bears. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. We might be in the football offseason, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are right in the thick of things with odds available for every game. Everything updated in real time and Prop bets on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's the number one place we trust. Head on over and sign up for a free account today and enter in our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We are on to the sweetest 16 in our brackets of the best tasting flavor of Built Bars. Because every flavor tastes good, we're just trying to figure out 
which is truly the best of the best. They're all low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber covered in 100% real chocolate. But today, for example, we are head-to-head with the churro puff versus the cookies and cream flavor. And maybe I'm a little bit biased here because cookies and cream is one of my go-tos. I am currently awaiting a shipment, including a box of cookies and cream built bars. The churro puffs are delicious. They're a little bit more of a, a marshmallow type consistency with the cinnamon of the churro, but you cannot beat the chewy, sweet deliciousness of a cookies and cream built bar. So I'm moving that on to my enticing eight and I'm eagerly awaiting my order. Try it for yourself. Go to builtbar.com, enter our promo code locked on 20 to get 20% off your next order. We're breaking down the off-season offensive line options here with offensive line coach Owen Reese on Twitter at Reese Draft. And Owen, it's it's kind of a strange off-season right now with so many different offensive linemen being released. The Chiefs kind of taking all the headlines for the big-name moves they've made. Have, have you seen anything like this in, in, in your years of, of NFL covering of this kind of turnover, I mean, it seems like especially it's been, at least before yesterday, it was a lot of guards, and now we're starting to see some of the tackles start to pile up too. But, like, have you have you seen anything this this drastic in terms of big-name offensive linemen being released and led onto the free agent market? No, and I think a lot of that could probably be chalked up to, you know, I, I hope we never have to use this word again or very, uh, very often, but, you know, the unprecedented, right, with the COVID impacts and the lack of revenue this year and they were you know the uncertainty of what the final cap number is going to be and it is down and they didn't have the revenue this year so they don't have the extra money to play with um you know so I think that's a lot of it is teams are kind of trying to scramble and save money where they can uh, I think the general I guess what I would be you know reading the tea leaves from what we've seen would be is that teams think the either think enough that the offensive line free agency class will become saturated enough that they'll be able to uh, lowball guys into getting contracts because after getting cut, they'll be more likely to take less money from a different team, maybe on a one-year contract or something of that ilk. Uh, the other thing that I think this screams in particular, uh, the Kansas city chiefs releasing both of their very good tackles, you know, one, they drafted Lucas Niang in the second round last year out of TCU. So I think there's that's that's part of the calculated risk of that. And the other thing is that, and we've been talking about it for a few months now, just the quality of the offensive tackle class. And, you know, that teams feel as though at, you know, late in the first round is, you know, I, I'm a, you know, I cover the Packers. So at 29 or the Chiefs are at 31. Teams are just seeing that if they can get uh, cheaper on the offensive line, um, you know, it would they feel good enough either, like I said, with this this soon to be saturated offensive line class or um, the rookies incoming? I, I I don't mean to jump ahead or, but I, there was a conversation I saw yesterday on Twitter that I took kind of took part in, and people were talking about that uh, interior offensive linemen make too much money, or that the they're 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 easier to let go um, because you're not you're theoretically not losing as much or or whatever. Yeah, that's that's uh, where I wanted to go next. Why why? What came of that conversation? Like, what do you think that's well, true? 
Well, so my my input, right, as a former uh, guard, was that I think that the the very highly paid interior offensive linemen get paid the correct amount. I mean, if you have like if if Quentin Nelson wanted eighteen million dollars, like I would have a tough time saying that he wouldn't deserve it, you know. But the the there are offensive linemen are overpaid, and I said no. The really good ones get what they should. The mediocre offensive tackle market has risen so much over the past few years. I mean, if you're looking at Halapulavati Vitae getting five years, 50 million <laughs> from the Lions two yeah. years ago, like I remember Justice Mosqueda and I talking about this at the Senior Bowl, like Vitae might have been Philadelphia's like fourth best offensive tackle on their roster and he got $50 million, like 10 a year. Um, the same deal that Rick Wagner got and Brian Bulaga got on shorter pay scales, right? So like I would have no issue paying the the big guys in the middle 15, you know, Ryan Kelly is 12 million a year or someone like Zach Martin is worth whatever he wants. But when you're paying guys like Vitae or, you know, there's a lot of contracts where like teams are trying to find the next up and coming tackle and they're willing to overpay for that. That happens much less at center and guard because they, those guys just don't, don't get paid as much. So when they are very good is when they typically cash in. So that was my prediction, right? And like with the Chiefs, Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz are both above average tackles. Schwartz, one of the best in the league. So they're giving up a lot, but they also got like $18 million in cap space back. So that was more my thing. Like the, the, the tackle market has probably been a bit overinflated over the past few years. And now that's kind of coming to a reckoning. Do you think – the NFL as a whole, in terms of teams, do you think they overvalue tackles too much compared to guards and centers? I mean, I mean, obviously there is an overvalue. I mean, obviously the NFL teams have shown you with their dollars that they do value tackles more than guards and centers. But do you think that valuation comparison is misplaced based on the importance of each position to the offensive line? I don't know. I'm probably going to take a cop-out answer here and say, like, if someone's good enough, they're worth the money. Um, I think that teams are willing to reach more for offensive tackles because I think in the NFL game and in truthfully, maybe not so much anymore, but over the past 10 years or so that when you've had a bad tackle, it's been pretty apparent, right? Like if you're this, if you watch the Cincinnati Bengals and you're and they're playing against Joey Bosa or, you know, Miles Garrett twice a year. You know, they're going against Bobby Hart. That's not a good matchup ever um, on in any rep. <laughs> so like that, that's a very apparent thing, right? Like when you're bad at, if you're bad at guard, one of the guard spots, it's going to get exposed, but you can give a double team or you can slide to that side or you can do other things to mitigate that. It's harder to do at tackle um, because of some of the things that defenses are able to do with games in the middle and kind of forcing the tackles on islands at times. And so teams are going to try to find, you know, they're going to have to overpay because there aren't enough good tackles. Right. And I understand that, but it's just a matter of like teams having to figure out either like you need to really give these guys a lot of help or you need to stop over like for the sake of the market, stop overpaying mediocre guys to me, then that's, that's a failure by these teams and like good for those players for going to get their money. Like, I don't want to, you know, like these guys should go get all the money that they can. But to me, just from an outsider thing, like if you're paying bad tackles, eight to $9 million a year, that's a NFL problem because 
you're either not getting enough or you're not scheming enough help to where you, you can put lower level guys there and get passable results, you, you know, to, to reallocate that money elsewhere. Yeah. I think, I think that does a really good job of kind of setting the stage of where we are this off season. So up next, we'll start trying to apply this a little bit more and look at how teams like the bears can try and retool their offensive line with these parameters. Keep it locked right here on Locked On Bears. The Bears should have plenty of parts to choose from to upgrade their offensive line, and nobody knows more about upgrading parts than our friends at rockauto.com. They're a family business that have been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. I love their catalog because not only is it incredibly deep with car parts that I don't fully understand, but it's really easy to navigate to. It's nothing flashy. It's nothing difficult. You just enter in your car's make and model, and then you can quickly pull up all the parts available for your vehicle and choose between the brand's specifications and prices you prefer. And those prices are particularly important because a lot of the chain stores will have different price tiers if you're a professional mechanic versus a do-it-yourselfer like us. But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. So don't spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So if you're running a team, and you know, we can kind of throw some of the specific salary cap implications out for a moment here, but like if you're running a team that needs offensive line help, and you know, you look and see there's probably still gonna be more veterans released for salary cap purposes, but we kind of have a sense of like, okay, there's some there's gonna be some quality options that may slip through the cracks a little bit here at pretty much any of the offensive line positions. But then there's also the offensive line draft class. Like how are you approaching this offseason in terms of, like, it obviously depends on specifically where your needs are, but, like, where do you feel like you're best off finding an offensive tackle versus better off finding, an, you know, a starting level guard and center when it comes to the draft versus free agency? I think a big thing, you know, to me, like, offensive tackles are generally quarterbacks. If you want a real good one, you're going to have to pay for it. If you're a team, if you're, if you're we'll use the Chicago Bears, right, how apt – if you're picking at 20, right, if you if there's an offensive tackle there that you think is like, well, this is our guy. Like, this is who we're really looking at. Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. If we're like, we want him to be our starting right tackle next year, that's probably where we're going to have to go get him. The interior guys, more so, I, I mean, like, I think there's always value to be found. But generally, if you want, like, a game-changer offensive tackle, you're going to have to pay for him. If I have a team, you know, if I'm the Bears, if I'm really looking to kind of shake things up and, and – like I said, the specific salary caps a little out of it. One of the teams I was most fascinated by that did this a couple of years ago uh, was the Buffalo Bills. And they, um, when they had, they, Josh Allen was there as a rookie and he, you know, the offensive line wasn't good enough. So two off seasons ago, they went and they drafted Cody Ford in the second round. They, they signed Spencer Long. They signed Quentin Spain. They signed John Feliciano um, and they signed Mitch Morse. And it was like, so they went and they got four interior 
offensive line free agents, right? They, I think they might've even signed Ty Naseki too. And they drafted Cody Ford while they already had Deion Dawkins. So they're like, okay, well, we've got one spot. We just brought in six new guys to fight for those other four spots. And that it, it, it really worked out really well. And they were all like, they didn't break the bank on any of them. So just the, the shotgun approach, right? We're just going to throw a bunch of guys at the position. Um, and, and they were good players, right? But they, they found those inefficiencies. They, they allocate, they, they put resources at a position and they're like, well, these, none of these guys are going to be that bad and, and kind of allow the, the best of them or the best fit of them to kind of rise to the occasion. But the, that was something to me, like it was such a, a different approach, right? Cause they didn't just say, well, we need to improve off our, our offensive line. So we went and signed the best guard in free agency. So they drafted Cody Ford. So there's your kind. I mean, he was in the second round, right? So that's a fairly uh, big investment, but then they went and they signed four or five level or lower level free agents. And, and so like, to me, that was just such a different way of approaching it. And, and it works really well. You know, you could use a similar method to do that and not be reckless financially, um, and it, which yeah. especially in this time period um, is, is at the forefront. When it comes to this Bears offensive line, I know like you haven't sat down and done an in-depth study on you know, the individual players, so I'm not going to put you on the spot in that regard. But you know, one thing we've seen in Chicago is Cody Whitehair you know, moving a lot between center and left guard. And last season... He seemed to play a lot better at left guard than he did at center, and we've seen James Daniels at times struggle at both spots, and it always seems to be some differences in terms of where they're lined up as to the quality of play. And so I guess not necessarily speaking to the the specific players in their cases because they're talking about now moving James Daniels to right guard and potentially starting Sam Mustafer at center. When, when you see guys move around like this, I guess what are some of the things or what are some of the factors that might lead to a guy being – a better fit at left guard as opposed to center or right guard as opposed to center. I mean, obviously like going between left and right guard, it's just kind of switching your handedness, but center, I guess is a little bit more, you know, middle. I mean, you kind of end up going in both directions. So I don't know. Would you be able to speak more generally to like the, di- the differences there and, and what it might take for a player to be better at center as opposed to a guard spot? Sure. So I guess the first thing is like when you're a center, you know, obviously you're in a, you're in a neutral stance, right? You need to be able to move both directions. And that's something like where when draft prospects like play center, like James Daniels, for instance, right. was a center at Iowa, but was initially tried at guard. Um, that's always something like I, I think is an advantage initially is that they've had to, you know, they have to be comfortable pass setting in both directions all the time. Right. So that can kind of expedite that learning curve or that um, help with some familiarity on on either side that they've had a, a ton of reps setting both ways. Um, but when you're a center, typically uh, a lot of the pre-snap communication is on you, you know, and there's a lot of communication involved between the center and the quarterback. They need to be in, in lockstep. They need to be able to see the same things uh, and, and really be in simpaticos that way. The other thing too is then, typically centers don't have guys over them quite as often, right? Like you might have like a, a, a common thing now is you'll have a three technique to the strong side and you'll have a two eye or a spaced out, um, you know, more on the, more head up on the guard than the center backside a gap player. So that's a, when you're at center, you typically have less of a burden on you from a sheer, like 
this is my responsibility on this assignment. Like this guy's going to play through me every play. So that can be a little easier. You can kind of be the movable assistance piece, right? Like if a, uh, that the three technique is, is really, really tough. You can probably ask the backside guard, like, I'm going to need you to handle this a bit more by yourself. And you can send the center that way or vice versa. If the backside guards really getting whipped, you can kind of move that center around to when it's where it's advantageous for the offense. Uh, as a guard, it's much more, you're locked in your spot. Um, you're typically going to have a defensive tackle lined up on your frame. And so as a guard, it's a much more like from the second, the ball snapped, this is my problem. And a lot of like that, that immediate um, responsibility can be more of an issue because right. Say like you're, if you're running a combo block, you're like, well, it's me in the center for these two guys. But if I'm not able to handle my business on the, on the combo, it doesn't matter for the second part. Whereas the center can be much more of a like, oh, well, I see the guards having an issue and I can, you know, do this to mitigate it. As the guard, you're much more usually like the power player of the two. And you're like, well, we need this to happen. Guards pull more often, right? So you typically need to be a bit more, uh, depending on the scheme, obviously, but like you're going to be either one expected to be more athletic or two more able to play and maneuver in space. And then the other thing is that guards in pass pro um, you're going to have a defensive tackle one-on-one more often. Um, You know, like a couple draft cycles ago, I remember talking about Garrett Bradbury, right. Who was a first round pick of the Vikings and he was about 290 pounds, 295 pounds Cause someone's like, well, could he play guard? And I was like, I don't think like he could, like he has to play center because a center in the slide, unless it's in like a five man empty protection, the center will always slide one direction or the other um, to, to kind of either help or or whatever. There's not a ton of one-on-one engagement in pass pro as a center. Um, You may overtake a guy. And then at that point it is a one-on-one block but not very often, like, are you going to line up? Like if it was in a true three, four, and it was just going to say, well, the nose is just going to try to run through my face, you know, whereas a guard, you're one-on-one with that three technique, you know? So, you know, guys like Aaron Donald or, or DeForest Buckner, these interior rushers, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get these one-on-one runways for these defensive tackles on a guard because they know that the center is going in the other direction in a slide. That's why you see the Rams line up Aaron Donald over the tackle a ton, and then he'll just slant inside um, because that way they can ensure that um, with another defender outside of him, that he's going to get a one-on-one with that guard. So that to me is the biggest thing. Like if you're, if you struggle in pass pro, I would much more be worried about you at guard than in center, but it is, like I said, it's a, it's a little different thing to me. Like center was, is much more of a, mental you know like a thinking man's position whereas the guard typically is going to be much more of the workman you know bring your lunch pail like well i have to win this with physicality or there's more on my plate during the snap than the center maybe where the center's workload is is prior to the snap spoken like a true offensive line coach owen uh really great breakdown i appreciate your perspective let everybody know a little bit more about what you're working on and, and where they can find that work from you yeah, so working with uh, the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide, this will be my fourth year, I believe, with them. Um, it's a Packers-centric 
draft guide. Uh, so obviously in, in enemy territory here with the Bears. But if you're looking to get a better insight into your divisional opponents, right, the guys that you play twice a year, and you want a better insight on on what their their true team needs are, where they're struggling or where they're strong, um, you know, and what they could be looking at in the draft. I think it's a great publication in general, just draft junkies in general, right? Just try to read as many things and as, as much as possible. Um, it's generally very affordable and there's a ton of uh, smart people and good work, um, you know, great graphic work and, and a lot of well thought out and, and unique pieces within um, outside of just the scouting reports as well. So I'm doing that. And outside of that, just on Twitter, just, just getting takes off and making jokes, trying to make fun of Warren Sharp. And other <laughs> than that, just kind of, kind of doing my thing. And on Twitter at Reese draft, that's R I E S E draft. Owen, really appreciate you making the time and, and breaking out Dawn for us. That was excellent. Yeah, Lauren. Absolutely. Always, always a pleasure. Thanks again to Owen Reese for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Bears to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. We will be back on Monday with a final look at what could be in store in free agency. The legal tampering period will then get started. The new league year just a few days after that. We'll be right in the swing of big Bears transaction season maybe not big free agent signings but we're all kind of are bracing for something coming down the pipeline and still a lot more contract restructuring and extensions and releases still need to happen for the bears to get their salary cap number back anywhere reasonable so moves are coming and we'll break them all down for you right here five days a week on the locked on bears podcast hope you'll keep following along with us throughout the offseason Appreciate those of you who are tuning in every single day, getting that daily Bears talk. And I hope more than anything, it helps you bear down.